Diddly Hey, it's Lisa and Julie, and we are Two, two Sober, sober Chicks. Thank you so much for joining us, and this da, 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 is our holiday podcast. And fuck it's y'all, we're calling it Christmas. I was just going to say, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Because it's our podcast and we can call it whatever we want. Yeah. Because Julie and I are not PC. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were just talking about political correctness, as we often do. Yes. And, uh, and the bane of our existence, how we had, you know, the pendulum had to swing, but God damn it, why did it have to swing so far? Yeah. Um, you know, it reminds me when you used to get side eye for farting in church. <laughs> now you can show up naked and no one better say anything what's like an anti-nakedist an anti-nudist naturist yeah i love that uh, naturist you're an anti-naturist so here we are um it is december and at this time of year we always like to uh offer a little bit of support especially for the newling the youngling the newcomer, someone who is shaky in their early days and moments of sobriety and talk about uh, the things that are probably most prevalent on your mind, um, things that are going to scare the shit out of you, like a holiday Christmas party. Don't Um, make it the, what's, you know, okay, so my favorite Christmas cartoons, you know, those really old ones with those weird felt creatures. (laughs) Yeah. And the big white monster. What's his name? Oh my god. Not the, the big white monster. No, I love I can't. him. Bl- the blizzard uh, the one with the blizzard guy? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Blizzard King, Mr. Sun. That one? Yeah. He was a he was an abominable snowman, wasn't he? The abominable snowman? I think that was anyways, people that are listening to this that know are probably screaming at us screaming. right now. <laughs> But what I wanted to say as you were saying that is don't make it before you go to these events. Have a healthy respect for the fact that you're in recovery, but don't make it the big woolly monster where it's like dread and fear. Like that's absolutely not necessary because then you give it a power that it should not be assigned. It's like, you know, as a Christian, I see a lot of people focus on the devil and the enemy and Satan. And it's like, I don't bother with that shit. Like I focus my attention on the light in the darkness. Thank you very much. And I think it's the same thing with recovery, like have a healthy respect, acknowledge it's there, know what it is, but really focus on your recovery. So I think this podcast would be uh, our first one where we're not necessarily going to be discussing tips and tricks. We're more going to get to the root of this situation. I was thinking about it today. And really what we need to look at, the root is simply simply discomfort, at least in my humble opinion. Discomfort is what we're trying to battle against in these situations. And I think if we look at it that way, it becomes way less of the woolly mammoth monster and more about what is this it's like any good therapy, right? Like what's the root of this? What's the root of what's going on? And once you see the root, what's that stupid saying? 
the fruit comes from the root, um, then you can really see what's going on, look at it in a different way and realize discomfort, unfortunately, is a thing in life. I am a widow. I am in discomfort all the time. And the more I look at what it is and not try and run from it, the better it is for me. So I think that would be a good way to look at going into the holidays as a sober person. Right. Um, to address the the root of it is discomfort. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, there's a lot of um, uh, fear, um, fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, of course, if this is your first one, you don't know what you're going to feel like and what you're going to be facing and what's around the corner. Um, and that can cause that that feeling of discomfort. Yeah. Um, but this is why we do this, right? This is why we um, go to meetings and we listen to other people who've already gone through their first sober Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, and you just touched on something really big is um, somebody who is sober, who's going through a great loss and having to go through all these things uh, in, a, in a different way. This mm -hmm. is a new first for you. Mm -hmm. um, actually, this one would be your second, wouldn't it? Second. Well, it's funny because it's technically my second, but Christmas came to just under two weeks after Zach died. So I kind of feel like he was with me in yeah. a way, like a lot of widows say at the beginning, after you lose them, there is a huge sense of their presence and God's presence, but you're also in shock. So right. I still did have Christmas with him. I wore the Christmas face pajamas I made for him oh, with right. his face on them. There was presents under the tree from him. We had picked the tree together. We had put up our cross of lights in the front. So the only thing that was missing was Zach. But yeah. this Christmas, I got a tree with my brother. I took the old tree down when the new one came. I, mm -hmm. I did new Christmas lights. I'm not buying gifts for him. Although the first thing I did put under the tree was the Christmas card that I found from last year that I hadn't yet filled out. So that went under the tree. So this one feels like the first. The for first. Sure, even though it's technically the second. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the uh, way, I find, and I think this is really good for recovery too, coming up with new rituals and new traditions is very important because if you don't, there's going to be a big void where the old one was and nothing's in it. So whether that looks like figuring out I'm going to make a new recipe, bring my own ingredients for a really tasty um, carbonated quote unquote mocktail. So instead of just going and all they have is like water and milk or whatever people have bringing my own Pellegrino and bringing like a cranberry syrup and the wedges of lime and whatever it is, like make something new and fun for yourself. If you're worried about not having a glass in your hand or not being able to have a good time with people like really the little things do matter a lot a lot that's a great suggestion actually coming up with new traditions uh, new ways to celebrate new things to focus on because when we are in early recovery one of the things we we tend to focus on is the thing that's missing you know the elephant yeah. in the room the fact that we can't drink and everyone else can. And uh, really the focus there is on self-pity and lack 
And if you can change that thinking and focus on, well, what can I do that I never did before? Well, one, I'm going to remember this party, God damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I won't be the one that everyone is talking about tomorrow, especially if it's a staff holiday party and gossiping about around the water cooler. Um, and like you said, I like that a new drink, a, a fancy mocktail, make it your own. Um, maybe you focus a little bit more on your your outfit, getting getting dolled up, putting more time into into that experience. Mm-hmm. Um I like games. So one of the things that I did when I got sober, uh, especially around the holiday time, because that always used to be a big party time for my friends and I, I focused on having a sober game night mm-hmm. um, and talk about the rubber meeting the road. This is where you find out who your real friends are and who your drinking friends are. Yeah. Because yeah. your drinking friends, suddenly they're busy on that Friday night. Yeah. But your real friends are like, oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. I'd love to do that. And yeah. uh, you end up realizing how you connect with people on a deeper level than you've ever connected before yeah. when you're not shit faced. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to suffer through all those embarrassing things. So some and of the little did, tips. Go ahead. We did for several years. It was so fun. We had various iterations of the friends. Thanks myth where we did a gift exchange. I can't remember what the limit was, maybe $20, maybe 30. Uh, and we did sometimes with spouses, sometimes not. We went out for Chinese food. We went to church together. Uh, we went to a friend's house that has this gorgeous fireplace and we hung out there and wrapped gifts for a single mother's nonprofit. Yeah. Like we had a great time around the holidays doing that stuff. And That's the, where we had our fancy photo taken for our podcast. Yes. And um, we had like, it was funny because a friend of ours at the time felt like the picture we were taking holding hands, which is the picture of, of our podcast made yeah. it look like we were a couple and it was like, and okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. People will clearly know we're not if they listen to the podcast. I don't have an issue with that. Do you? Nope. Great. Keep taking yeah. the picture. <laughs> looks great and it's such yeah, a great photo it is um yeah and it's warmth because of the fire anyway mm-hmm. i'm getting sidetracked because of the photograph it was a good photo and your fire um, bug so i am a fire bug you love you a fire I if do. lisa could get into the fire and be set on fire i think and that live? would be like and yeah that yeah. would be like i feel like if you were asked if what superpower you would want i feel like it would be that one to set things on fire no to get to set yourself on fire and live That's right. <laughs> but to be able to flame on i mean i already do flame on a little bit as it is so it would be a whole new meaning to the word flame on and be your hair like the way your hair is like if yes. you could just make it like orange and red you would actually <laughs> look like a superhero that you represent firewoman there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some great ideas. Julie just mentioned, you just brought me back to all the fun things that we did together as, as friends, especially, and you know, and friends in early sobriety, you are going to find, we've often called it like uh, our tribe, you find your people um, and it will change. It's kind of like high school, get ready for change in all things. And mm-hmm. change is not a bad thing. 
Uh, just like in high school, when your friend group changes, you think it's bad, and then it ends up not being bad. Uh, same thing in early sobriety. It's happened to you, me, everybody I know. It's happened to all the newcomers I work with. They're like, oh my God, I found my ride or die bitches. And six months later, half of those people have gone out <laughs> and the other half have gossiped about you and you guys are dead to each other. So you know, get used to that too. It's going to happen. But this is a fabulous time to hang with new people who are sober. You're all in the same place. Uh, go out and experiencing, experience these things together. Have a buddy system. You know, there's nothing that says if you're going to a holiday party and you're single, why can't you bring a sober buddy? Bring one of your new, your new sober friends. So you're with somebody who also is not drinking just like you and they're in the same place. Um, which is actually super fun because if you're the two only sober people in the room, there's endless entertainment for you. That's true. You can come up with great new ways. I'm sure you had to do this, Julie, with how to turn down drunk guys. Uh, No, that's well, that's not necessarily true. That did happen one time (laughs) at uh, a party at a bar at a hotel bar with a friend of mine, uh, Believe it or not, not many men in my life have hit on me, but, you know, drunk men, they don't fear anything. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you can have fun coming up with new rejection lines Mm -hmm. uh, while sober, because they're not going to remember how you crashed and burned their dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you could do services. There used to be this thing when I lived on the East Coast. What did they call it? It was like... um, a free a free ride program i couldn't imagine anyone wanting to do this but some people got into it um it was i think let's call it the rudolph program and it was basically um there was a service that was manned by a a church group and they would answer this hotline people asking for rides from christmas christmas parties now they kept it safe in that there was a buddy system there was a male and a female or it was two males driving together and um they picked people up dropped them from one party to the next party and the service ended at midnight so it wasn't you know when people are too crazy but you could do something like that you could offer to be the uh, dd for your friend group Mm -hmm. be the driver that night so you have a job you have a responsibility um Something I used to like to do with my friends on the East Coast, we did a um, a Christmas caroling. Can't sing to save my life, but you know who doesn't care? Seniors. <laughs> You're going to an old folks home to sing Christmas carols for them. They're going to eat it up. Now that has mm-hmm. to be something that you have to arrange in advance to get permission these days. Um, but it's kind of a nice thing to give back and you get to do it sober and it's a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful way to give back to some people who maybe are forgotten by their families at the holiday season. So, I mean, the, the tips and tricks are endless. You can just Google them and you'll find a whole host of stuff. And we've gone over them in previous episodes, holiday episodes, but there are a, a couple of things I love from the 12 and 12 that I thought were really, um, really quite brilliant when it comes to looking at the root um, of what's going on and what pain and dis- what they have to say about pain and discomfort and those kinds of things. But uh, if anybody needs a little bit of encouragement, 
in the form of a reminder in the 12 and 12 step seven on page 75. This is like so genius to me. It's a reminder of what we've been given, not what we've lost. So it says, then in AA, we looked and listened everywhere. We saw failure and misery transformed by humility into priceless assets. We heard story after story of how humility had brought strength out of weakness. In every case, pain had been the price of admission into a new life. So it it's worth repeating and remembering and focusing on this is the price of this new life, a, a party or a wedding or a birthday or a celebration or a night out of drinking is what we had to give up. Obviously, our entire lifestyle is like that. But if we're focusing on the moment, this discomfort is the is the price of admission into a life of freedom from our addiction, which means no blackouts, no murders, no reckless sex, no regrets, no potential ruining your life and someone else through an, a, an act done under uh, um, drunkenness or being high or whatever. It's like, I know our current culture rejects the idea that we can't just do whatever we want, but that's like a hedonistic way of living you always pay a price for. So if we want something, we generally have to give something else up or be disciplined in a new life in order to recover from an old way of being. And it talks in there twice. What does this require? Humility. What does humility do? It requires us to surrender to something bigger than ourselves. It requires us to push our ego down and not throw the I want tantrums because it's easy to get into like, I'm miserable because I can't drink. Oh, poor you. I'm sorry that you were given alcoholism or whatever addiction that you have. It sucks. I've had to go through it. You've had to go through it. Many people have to go through it. But if we're going to stay stuck in that place, nothing good is going to happen. Then you'll just resent yourself into another uh, relapse. But like instead focusing on, look what I get to do. Look how my heart is not pounding anymore. Look how I can, not, I can taste other things besides yesterday's alcohol. Look how people love and respect me now. Look at how I've flourished in my job, in my marriage. I have good sleep. I have good health. I'm not looking over my back anymore. My kids are love me more. My, my partner's totally into me again. Like whatever you list off the gifts of this life, there is an admission price and either you come to terms with it and you pay it or you don't. And you know, you get to do whatever you want with that, but yeah. focusing on gratitude and humility is really important. And you can get back. You can always, you know, say, I'm not going to pay this price. You can always get back your old life. Yeah. And go back to that misery anytime you choose. A lot of us have to. Yeah. At least once. <laughs> um, and Julie just mentioned a price being paid. So I quickly did a search um, on page 108 in the big book in the um, chapter to the wives, especially when he has before him a way to stop his drinking and abuse if he really wants to pay the price. So this is several times where the word price is mentioned in the 12 and 12, step seven, page 75. Um, but this admission price had purchased more than we expected. 
right? Mm -hmm. This small price that Julie just referenced, uh, the price of giving up the party, you know, not getting drunk. Uh, that's the price that has to be paid. You pay that price and you're going to get so much more than you expected. Thousand percent. <laughs> worth living today. Yep. Um, Bill's story, page 14, simple, but not easy. A mm. price had to be paid. I think that's one of the most profound sentences. Mm -hmm. um, the 12 and 12 again, step two, page 31. We soon concluded that whatever price in humility we must pay, we would pay. Mm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I love that. Amen. Uh, 12 and 12, step seven, page 75. In every case, pain had been the price of admission into what? A new life, mm. a better life. And then the last one here in a vision for you, page 155, a spiritual experience he conceded was absolutely necessary, but the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. A vision for you to me, well, it's my favorite chapter in the big book. It is a great thing to read in seasons like this because it reminds us of what life can be and the, the gifts and the beautiful things that happen when we jump into this program, full feet in. Like my friend Trish says, get all the way in, sit all the way down. <laughs> That's a good saying mm -hmm. a good reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And our program sets us up really great because we have the steps to go through it. Like do a fourth on what you're dreading on the holiday season, on what your expectations are, on what your fears are. Um, in the 12 and 12, again, step four, page 52, even though this specifically is talking about somebody being disturbed by the behavior of others, it's still applicable because it talks about why do I lack the ability to accept conditions I cannot change? These are the sort of fundamental inquiries that can disclose the source of my discomfort and indicate whether I may be able to alter my own conduct and so adjust myself serenely to self-discipline. That's another thing. This program requires self-discipline. Our addiction... I mean, we may look at it like it required a lot of discipline to keep it up, perhaps, but so is this life of recovery. It takes self-discipline, except the self-discipline in recovery yields fruitful results, whereas the self-discipline in addiction only served to feed the addiction. So you're still losing. It's a lose-lose. And I, I love the word serenely adjust myself serenely. I think for me, what that means is once I finally decide to surrender in humility to whatever it is, there is kind of a relief. Like in my season of widowhood, there are times where I cannot focus on it because it's my whole life anyways. And I need, I need a break. But often when I just go, okay, tell me what I need to know. What is this? What can I do to help you right now? It's a way of surrendering and just being like, I am realizing I am powerless over this and I just have to give into it. I, um, I, I was just reading a line from the big book here uh, into action page 88. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have mm. just outlined. Um, 
and that is not something I I had as an alcoholic. I I just couldn't keep it up. I couldn't keep the discipline up, uh, either to not drink or to count my drinks or to control my drinking. That great line from uh, one of the stories in the back. When I tried to uh, control my drinking, I didn't enjoy it. When I tried to enjoy my drinking, I couldn't control it. Mm. That, that definitely uh, resonated with me. Um, and you're right. This is a disciplined way of life. But doesn't discipline pay off? Mm-hmm. And when we look at our life in, in many areas, if you're, uh, you're disciplined, you've always been disciplined at physical exercise. Mm-hmm. And that has paid off for you with mm-hmm. a healthy body. Uh, I believe a healthy mind. I believe discipline through physical uh, activity also gives you a healthy mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, discipline with, you know, controlling our eating. There was a time when I was uh, doing a controlled, I was watching the food that I, I took into my, my body and I was still able to enjoy it. But it was like, instead of a full bag of chips, I measured out a little cup. I'm like, cause I love chips. So I don't want to deny myself of a life free of chips. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I would measure them out and I would still get to enjoy them, but discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, But my alcoholism is different. I have learned time and time again that I have a disease and I can't discipline myself to have two drinks. I've tried. It doesn't happen. It's never going to happen. I've accepted the fallacy of that. So the discipline that I have then is don't drink. Don't pick up that drink. Um, And then uh, the discipline of doing the next step, which is doing the rest of the work of this program, which has allowed me to experience joy and freedom, peace, serenity. When bad shit happens, I'm able to cope with it. Whereas uh, in the past, the only way I knew how to cope with it was don't face it, don't look at it, don't deal, drink at it, Mm -hmm. get high and try not to feel. But now I can I can go through uh, difficult situations in life and stay sober. Um, and that is a discipline for me that has definitely paid off. Um, is that the is, spiritual uh, principle of step three discipline? It is, isn't it? I never remember. You always give me these. I'm pretty quizzes. sure it is. <laughs> and I, it reminded me when you were talking about a translation I used to use in uh, the treatment center I used to volunteer in. Um, it wasn't my own. I don't know whose it was, but step three decided, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him, especially for people that had a issue with the concept of God. The translation was made a commitment to do the rest of the steps, which is not a far leap. It looks like it initially, but if you are making a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God who loves you infinitely, that God would want you to have a life free from the things that enslave you. And what is required in the 12 step program to get to that point is to do all fucking 12 steps. Not one, two, three, not one in 12, not four in 10, all 12 steps. Like don't shortchange yourself, people do all 12 steps. And I guarantee you, you have the keys to freedom in your hands. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of what uh, was taught to me about you're either in or you're out. That's a simple step three. Are you in? Oh, I love that. Are you, are you willing or are you not willing? Yeah. You know, do this program or don't. Yeah. <laughs> like saying do it or die, but <laughs> gives you a little bit more of a choice there. Do it or don't. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would, that's kind of how I came to my step three. Um, and then slowly I came to faith, right? I came to believe in a power greater than myself, just that, yeah, I'm in, I need to be in. I've already tried it my way. I've taken back my will again and again and again. Now I need to give it up. I don't need to know what I'm giving it up to. I don't need to define it. I don't need to tell you what it is, describe it, name it. Um, God has become a great uh, short word for it and it's universal. Um, but you don't know what that means to me. But I know that it's my power and it's a higher power and it didn't come from me. Um, and it's not me. That's all I need to know. And I turn my will mm -hmm. over to it. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, we have gone all over the place as we often do if you followed if we were out walking in the snow it'd be they'd be circling around in many different places up and over and under things uh and that's just us as we sit and we chat and i wish there was a fire um that we were sitting around and doing yeah. this maybe the next time i come visit you we can have a fire out at your your burning your burning pit yeah you should have seen the fire i've maybe i've videos of it when the barn, I had the barn taken down because it was falling down and I'm going to put up like a garage and other things out there. They yeah. dug a hole and burned all of the wood and refuse. And this fire was so big, it illuminated the house that's way back in the property where Holy it looks crap. like the people are like ants. Like it illuminated yeah. the whole front of their house. I kept thinking we were going to have a fire. I was terrified. I've never seen a fire so big. Have you, tell me you saved at least one bee from that place. I saved probably about 15 and oh, I think good. I'm going to make like a headboard or something yeah. for the side where I'm going to have like an extra bedroom, like guest quarters because cool. Zach painstakingly removed so many of those boards because he was going to sell them in town but, yeah. you know, I'm a hundred percent responsible for a hundred percent of the things around here. So I was yes. like, I, I'm just going to do what I can. I, they were heavy beams, man, boards. Yeah. I just kept pull it, putting them in the back of Zach's truck. And when I felt like, okay, I've got enough, I brought them down to the house and they're in the crawl space waiting to yeah. be used. But cool. yeah, some people would be horrified to know what I burned down. <laughs> but oh, you saved some of it. That's good. It's fine. You, ashes to you know, ashes, from the, dust to dust. I was just going to say, from the ashes <laughs> rises the phoenix. So yeah, I'll be you know, look forward to see what happens there. So yeah. Thanks, yeah. Julie. It was nice to have this space with you again. And uh, um, maybe not our usual, nothing's usual these days. Not our no. usual festive holiday party. Some years we've invited other people in and had a that hoot and hang. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see. Maybe we'll uh, we'll see what happens around the end of the year. Maybe we'll have an end of the year get together. See yeah. How you're doing. Yeah. I think that'll Back be in. fun. I'm doing a couple uh, marathons. I think our our group is participating in a marathon uh, here in Toronto, uh, put on by Intergroup. So we're taking an hour to do a meeting in, and so. And that is um, that virtual. It's virtual. Yep. So people can just go on what? Pop, pop in and, and join. I don't even know the ID code. So 
But um, they can yeah. go to the website, right? Like it's like yeah. Toronto Intergroup. Toronto Intergroup AA. Yes. There yeah. will be a link. You're right to their uh, virtual um, Alcathon for the holiday season. I think they're doing one at Christmas and one at New Year's. So um, we will be a part of that. And uh, maybe you and I will do a little podcast around that time too. Okay. Check in with everybody for the new year. That sounds good. Is there anything you want to say? Uh, uh holiday wishes to our listeners well geez how many years has it been now thanks for joining us and sticking around for this many years that we've been doing this uh i think we started 2017 i want to say 2017 2021 22 i think it's been longer than that but who knows time doesn't make sense anymore i feel like 400 over 424 um podcast episodes for you listen to, listen to worldwide by the way mm-hmm. and um, tons of downloads and literally we're and i'm not joking we have over a million listens and that was like i checked that like eight months ago <laughs> so whether you're a new listener or an old faithful my prayer for everyone is a sober grateful, um, present experience this holiday season and don't underestimate the power of prayer. So I will be praying for all of you and, uh, I'll be praying for all of you and I will be praying for you and I'll be praying for you. Thank you. And, um, yeah, pray for each other and Mm -hmm. be mindful that you're not the only person going through this first experience and that you're not the only person that ever did or ever will be. And this would be a little fun thing to do too. If you approach Christmas, like I know someday someone is going to ask me how to get through a sober holiday. So this is going to be my like investigative journalist experiment. So maybe do it for the person coming up behind you. And that might change the thrust of everything. Yeah. One of the things that I would remark on later on after a couple of sober holidays, holiday parties, sober parties, uh, not just holiday parties, but sober events was um, how much more I ended up enjoying them than Mm -hmm. I did when I was drunk. I thought Mm -hmm. I was enjoying them when I was drunk, but um, it's also happens when you look at it through the experience you're watching when you're the watcher and you're watching how other people quote unquote celebrate. It's like, mm-hmm. man, that's messy, man. That's dramatic. Ooh, uh, they're going to regret that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Just know that you have everything in you to have a good time and to be okay. And it doesn't have to come from a bottle, whether it's a pill or a, a liquid or whatever. Like the power doesn't actually reside in anything or anybody else. It's very empowering once you get into recovery and you're like, oh, I had it the whole time. Maybe I just didn't want to do the work to get it. Who knows? But you do. And if it's your first one, it might suck. And that's okay. That's part of it. It might suck. You might hate it. It might not. 
look at Dorothy, man. She had to go through a hurricane, a tornado, <laughs> and uh, she got lifted and transported to a colorful, magical world. And then at the, she thought it was shoes. And at the end of the day, she found out, you know, it was her all along Aww. to get back to where she was. So yeah. it all comes back to the Wizard of Oz. Many a good lesson there. Yeah. Ultimately, don't do drugs. Your director gives you, but that's another story. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on our holiday version our christmas party um may you throw a little tinsel on the tree nobody knows what that is anymore put some tinsel on your tits and have a great time (laughs) all right and have a happy sober holiday season thank you so much for joining us i'm lisa i'm julie and this has been another edition of two sober chicks